The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. What's up? Thanks for hopping on the pod. I know it's been a long time coming, and I know that I made you wait for a while, but we're finally here to do this. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Sweet. So, is this your first podcast that you've been on? It is. So, you are the you are the lucky one who gets me right away. So, obviously, um, you're a Cubs fan. Are you excited for the Cubs uh, upcoming season? I mean, I am. I think that there's... I don't really know what they're going for. I think that they underestimated how bad the PR was going to be. I think Jake Arrieta and Pedro Strope coming back are just slim, simply PR moves. I, I don't I don't know how much Arrieta has left. I think that it's a great move because he's going to be forever loved. I think it times out perfectly. He has a career year in 2016. They win it all. He gets the big payday in Philly. He's bad there, so he's not bad in Chicago. And now he's coming back when people aren't expecting much and he takes less money. I think ideally the Cubs are in a situation where they want Rizzo, Bryant, and Javi to have career years and a guy like Arietta to be really good that they can flip those guys and start bringing young guys up. Yeah, I think – I don't know what to expect out of Strope, but I think it's cool that he's back for pretty much nothing. And Arietta, I mean, I feel like – yeah, like you said, he's not going to probably be the 20, obviously 2015, 2016, maybe not even, maybe not even 2017, Jake. But if he, uh, if he can be a little bit better than what he was in Philly, I mean, it all came together in Chicago. So at the very least, if he can put together a solid season and he's a back end middle of the rotation guy, obviously he can provide some innings and we'll see what happens. But I'm excited just to see. I'm intrigued. That's the word I always go to with this team. I'm intrigued. It's interesting because we're used to this team not making any kind of offseason moves. And then over the last you know few months, they get Jock Peterson. They bring in, of course, Arietta and Strope. And I don't know. It's interesting. I'm curious to see. I feel like this team, give or take 85 wins, maybe it's 90. I don't think... I mean, I feel like I've seen something before, or maybe I mentioned where I thought... They could be an 85 win or an 85 loss team. I think it's more likely 85 wins. They may not make the playoffs, but they'll be in that conversation. Are you excited for Nico? I hope he's the starting second baseman. Yeah, I am. I, what else are you going to do? I think that at this point, you have yeah. to see what you have in him. So just give him a shot. Let him play in April and May. And see. What, and here's the worst case. He was a shortstop in college, and he has a phenomenal glove. If worst case, if you don't bring Javi back and he plays well, you can move him off second base and put him over back at shortstop because he filled in for Javi too and Javi broke his thumb. I am excited for Nico because so last season, obviously, with no minor league season, uh, he was on the Cubs roster, but maybe he would have been in the minors if there was a minor league season. So I f- And he's been on fire, obviously, in spring training so far. And AAA is going to be delayed, and I think at this point, he, he needs to play and you need to see what you have in him because they also drafted him out of Stanford and he was an older college player. He was at least a junior. I think he might. I think he finished after his junior year. So you have an older guy. He came up and he was on that team in September when they had that collapse at the end. And I, I think at this point with a young guy, if you are in some ways ready to move on from Chris Bryant, Rizzo, Javi, 
you need the next wave, and the Cubs really don't have a lot outside of Nico, and so you got, you got to see what you have. And I think now is the time because you don't have anybody else at second base that I feel like Nico's. If you start him there, you're really losing anything. I mean, David Boat maybe, but I mean, isn't Bodie a better? I think utility bench guy. I don't know. I think that he hit that grand slam and fell into Cub lore that there's always going to be a higher opinion of him, I think, than what he really is, which is just a really good utility guy, but I don't think he's an everyday player. Yeah, I mean, I guess in a pinch he can, but yeah, I'm not exactly I'm not exactly advocating for Bodie every day. But yeah, as far as Nico, 692 average and 13 spring training at bats. Obviously, that's going to normalize throughout a larger sample, but... I like the way he's been obviously hitting the ball so far. He's a young guy. I hope he can just take that second base job. I think right now he's probably going to, or, it's, or you know, I guess it's so early, but you know, and I don't think Eric Sogard is necessarily the guy you want starting at second base, but I guess extra depth. Yeah. Hopefully Nico's going to be the guy. Hopefully he gets off to a good start so far. So good. Obviously it's spring training, but you like to see that start out. You'd rather, even though spring training is, kind of meaningless in in some ways at least for a guy like him it's going to help his confidence so yeah hopefully he nico will be able to just take this success so far in the early going into the season and we'll see what happens but yeah i mean you know every single season we've talked about off season we've talked about how the hitting stinks and it, again it's the same guys outside of schwarber being gone and you put jock in his place if the offense actually can hit the ball like they used to this team could end up being the runaway in the NL Central, of course, depending on how the pitching holds up. Oh, I think it's definitely going to look at pitching because I don't even know. I mean, there's not a clear-cut closer. Kimbrell is is shot. I mean, I have no hope of him being anything. And you don't know who the fifth starter is. You, you gave away you Darvish. And so I think, I think that's just where the Cubs are there in this they're just in this weird limbo, like you said, to where they could win 85 games or they could lose 85 games. And truth be told, I think if you're Ricketts, I think you'd rather see this team struggle with a few guys having really good seasons. And I think you just, you bring in KB, you bring in Rizzo and you bring in Javi, you put down a deal. If they don't sign you have to look to trade these guys because you can't you can't lose the asset for nothing. And there's not enough there for the Cubs right now to rebuild. Yeah. So if those guys aren't in the plans moving forward, as much as it's upsetting to lose a guy like Chris Bryant or Anthony Rizzo or Bias, who were all of those guys at different points of the playoffs in 2016 contributed to the World Series championship. But it's 2021 now, and the Cubs really haven't really had a real shot to win again since then. And if those guys aren't part of your plan, you, you can't just let them walk. If there are teams, because I think you're in this weird window where there's actually a good number of teams that are going for it. And if you have a team like, and I don't think the Cubs would trade with them, but the Reds haven't been to the playoffs or had a real shot at winning. And how long, if they had a real shot at winning, they might make a trade. The Seattle Mariners, if they were in it, would make a trade. The Texas Rangers, I feel there's teams that if they're in it, the Cubs, if they're out of it, you can sell your fans on a Rizzo trade if you get a huge package back under the terms, too, that Rizzo's going to walk because I don't 
know. I think the Cubs could bring them all back. I don't think they will. And I think like, you know, we've already seen reports like I don't think it's far fetched to see the Miami Marlins throw a lot of money at Anthony Rizzo to just try and bring people into those stands and him being from Miami and just I mean, that's a franchise that just is always looking for a star or not necessarily just that big name to put in that ballpark. You have Derek Jeter running it now. They made the playoffs in an abbreviated season. I mean, these are teams where I think there's teams in baseball right now that are on the cusp of turning the corner that would make a trade for one of those guys if the Cubs pivot and sell. Yeah, as far as Rizzo, so Miami could make sense because of his, you know, growing up in Florida. But the only thing about Rizzo, and I was talking about this with someone before, was that I feel like Rizzo is more important to the Cubs. I mean, he would he would be a great asset for any team. He's very durable. He's been their, one of their best hitters and most most consistent hitters outside of the occasional back flaring up you know you can always count on Rizzo basically but the only thing about it is especially these days these days in baseball first base is kind of like not it's like the position that people don't want to pay for as much so I, I mean, yeah like you said Miami could because they might want that they might be willing to sh- shed that money for a guy like Rizzo but I feel like of the three, Bryant, Baez, and Rizzo, I feel like Rizzo, I'm sure, is going to be back just because he's kind of their emotional captain, is their captain. He seems like the kind of guy that would stick around, but uh, who knows? It could, anything could happen. But yeah, I just feel like Rizzo is the most important to the Cubs than, you know, like he could, tr- he could be traded to a team that needs a first base DH or a hitter like that, but I think he means the most to the city of Chicago than you know, how it might be perceived in other cities, but like another city would probably take his production, but I, I just feel like he has that cachet with Chicago, but who knows? Anything could happen. I mean, I, I would agree. I think he's the most recognizable and like name in Chicago since probably Sammy Sosa and Mark Grace. I mean, you had Grace and Sosa and then you had a long stretch where you didn't, I mean, yeah, you had Lou Pinnell and those Cubs wins with the Ramos and stuff, but a guy that's just like everything Cubs, I don't think, I mean, I think you're right that Rizzo is that guy to the Cubs and means more to them for all those other things. Because I think since like Sosa and Grace, I think we haven't had anybody associated with the Cubs the way that Rizzo's been associated with them. Yeah. And uh, as far as Brian and Baez, so I don't know. I, I, I do think one of them will be back. I feel like right now, I don't know. I want to say I feel like right now, Baez is the guy that I would most likely think. But then Bryant says all the right things, too, about he wants to be there. So I don't know. Watch him surprise us and keep them all. I don't know. I, I'm kind of with you. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, obviously, we saw Schwarber being the kind of the first domino of those of that kind of core to be let go. And I, I mean, I like the jock edition. I feel like jock's coming in with something to prove. He really likes the dynamic that apparently Ross and that team provides for him because he talked about, you know, he was looking through teams. He was thinking about the Cubs. He liked the way that Ross is basically going to keep it real with him and say, hey, if you're not hitting like you're supposed to be, that we expect come, you know, all-star break, trade deadline, whatever, we're going to have to reassess. But, you know, I think Jock's coming with something to prove. He can feel it, obviously. I mean, I liked what Schwarber could do at the plate, but I feel like, Jock might be able to be a little bit of an upgrade in certain areas, but who knows? We'll see how that plays out too. Oh, I definitely, I think the Jock uh, Peterson signing is good. And, you know, Kyle Schwarber, I think the writing on the wall was there for a while that his time in Chicago was coming to an end. 
I think that he probably got a year longer than most people. I even thought I thought he was going to be gone sooner. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said, it's just I just feel like they're just in this weird dynamic where they are not in like the rebuild Cubs where they're going to lose 102 games, but they're not going to win 102. And they're just in that that weird dynamic. But like you said, too, going back with like the core three, if if you had to let a guy go, I mean, I hate to say it, but I mean, Chris Bryant's the guy you let walk and you re-sign Rizzo and uh, Javi because as much as I love KB, I, I, we've seen it with the Bryce Harper. It just seems like when you pay these guys these huge deals, John Carlos Stanton, you're, you're paying for past production. And as much as I love Chris Bryant, I don't know how I'm thrilled about him on the back end of a contract when he's 38, 39 years old, as opposed to, I think Rizzo, you could probably get for four to five years and Javi, I'm okay. Given, you know, I feel a lot more comfortable giving him a little bit longer deal. And as much as I love Chris Bryant, I just, I don't know. I think there's a lot there that I think you can comfortably let him walk. And I think in a lot of sports and there's nothing wrong with this. We've seen the best Chris Bryant in Chicago. We got the best of what Chris Bryant was. He was a phenomenal pick. He was everything you want in the pick when he came here out of San Diego, he lived up to the hype with the home runs and, you know, baseball is a hard game. He won an MVP. He won a rookie of the year. He hasn't been horrible, but I mean, it's also hard to live up every year to MVP status. And, you know, those guys had a lot of success early on in, in their baseball lives that, you know, to a certain degree, there was only, the only place for them to go was down. I mean, most of these young teams, you see the Dodgers, they always got so close and that ring was always out there. Some of these younger teams have always had that. And the Cubs core just clicked at the right time. Everything came together in the perfect storm. They won. And, you know, a lot of those guys could only go down from what happened in 2016. Yeah. You know, with Brian, with me, it's just, it just always comes back to some of the injuries he's had whether it's bad luck or and really from the team perspective overall, just the fact that it seems like they would let guys play through these injuries or maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe players weren't necessarily disclosing just how serious the injury might have been, but it was just like maybe they should IL the guy. I, I've brought that up so many times, but it's always so such a relevant topic. But, you know, it's just like with Brian, if he was healthy and hadn't had these injuries, maybe he doesn't, maybe doesn't have the... Uh, Kind of the dips here or there. I mean, I that's what I think it's more so the case with him is the, just the injuries and you know I I kind of throw out 2020 in general in terms. I mean, I know some players did well. Ian Happ did well. Other teams, other players played well in 2020, but obviously it was it was a weird year. Bias struggled mightily. Bryant struggled mightily. So it's just I hope to see them get off to a good start in. You know, I guess kind of put the onus on management because if the team is playing well at the trade deadline, you know, what do you do? I mean, do you still sell if you're a game out or a game up? Who knows? But at least for, you know, come opening day, barring anything major happening, this team will have these guys in the lineup and just hope to see if they play well and see what happens. Going back to Jock for real fast, I was looking up his splits because I know that Versus lefties, he's not great, but he can match. Well, he can match the righties in terms of he has 121 career homers versus righties, nine versus lefties. But 
you know, I think they're going to kind of situate, make it situational. Actually, I think they're going to, they're trying to play him uh, every day, aren't they? I, I think so. I mean, I, I think you bring in a guy like that, hoping to strike gold and get that veteran looking to prove it kind of deal with jock. And I think that's what the Cubs are looking for. And I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he played every day. I mean, you're looking at him, you have, I mean, Jason Hayward's going to be in right field. Ian Happ's probably what going to play center field. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I could see jock playing every day in left field. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's the plan is to have him play every day. I know uh, he was struggling versus lefties, but even in the spring training so far, he's kind of gotten off to a nice start. Obviously, that's another one. Like you said, maybe they struck gold. I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. I, uh, it's funny. Our friend George thought that was a bad deal, apparently. So I can't wait to razz on him later when he's when he's killing it. Well, I mean, if you sign a one-year deal, there's no such thing as a bad deal because it's for one year and whatever happens, you move on at the end of it. You know, what I think is, what I think is interesting, too, with Chris Bryant and everything is I'm more wondering, is Chris Bryant going to be the poster child in baseball because Theo Epstein and the Cubs, you know, they made all this hoopla about holding him down back when Mike Olt was still in third base and they thought he was going to blossom and they held him down and then they bring him up. You know, the ironic thing is they fought for all that extra control and this is the year of extra control they fought for when they're trying to slash payroll. There was a pandemic that nobody sees coming. And I think what I hope baseball and especially GMs and owners kind of take from this whole situation where the Cubs are with Chris Bryant is stop taking a guy like Eloy Jimenez or Luis Roberts and holding him down for 15 days in the present time when your team is good and has a chance to win on what might happen six or seven years from now. Mm-hmm. Like stop trying to take everything like at some point in sports, you need to live in the here and now. And I think sometimes, especially in baseball and even so much sometimes in the NBA, you see so many teams always making that deal kind of, well, you know, you know, in basketball, it's always, oh, well, we made this deal. And now next year, we're going to have an extra 8.7 in salary cap or the Cubs hold Chris Bryant down. And now they get an extra year of control to where they fight for this. They don't, you know, and if they bring him up, I'm not saying things are different, but maybe he's more willing to talk about a a hometown discount and taking a bit of a deal. But the truth is, is he felt you did. He feels the Cubs did him dirty. And if you have a company and you feel that your company did you dirty to save money at the top, you're not going to return the favor to save them money down the line. So the Cubs burned that bridge. And I think it's coming back to roost now. And it's just ironic how they fought for so much in a year now where they're slashing payroll and let Lester walk, let Schwarber walk. And now they don't even know what's going on with KB. Like, again, I don't, they call him up. Scott Boris is probably not signing a deal, but you didn't burn that bridge that I guarantee Chris Bryant has never forgotten about. I know in the past, Bryant was saying that he understood why management would do that, even though it's, it's obviously players want to be up as soon as they can be he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would hold that as a garage now not to say that he wouldn't like i get it too like i get what you're saying so i don't know uh he's supposedly that doesn't mean that he isn't that doesn't mean that he's just saying that not saying he's a liar obviously he doesn't seem like that kind of guy that would lie but again players are gonna say they might say one thing but yeah like you said he might hold that against them or like you said he's not going to 
necessarily want to do a team a favor after that kind of situation played out the way it did. But at the same time, he's not exactly coming in. Now, if he gets off to a nice start this season, it looks like the old Chris Bryant, then that's one thing. But he doesn't have the kind of leverage that you would have thought a few years ago, him and Baez coming into contract years, coming off of bad 2020 seasons. Again, it's a weird season, but Bryant's had the health issues. Before last season, I mean, I would say Bryant pretty much had his normal kind of numbers, at least at what we've kind of seen lately. Not the 15-16 monster, but still very solid numbers and bias of course was an mvp candidate not long ago at the end of the day do you think well, you already said that you think it's going to be bias and rizzo that would sign long term do you think that that happens bef- maybe not before the season but in season or would it be after the season i i think it would be after the season i think i think we'd be shocked but if things go south and I mean, you know, the Cubs are going to be wanting to get fans back into the stands and people to get tickets. And I think, again, that they really underestimated the bad PR hit that they would take from letting Schwarber and Lester both go in the same offseason, that they bring Arietta back to kind of try and smooth things over. I think if we see the Cubs get off to a horrible, horrible start, the White Sox get off to a fantastic start, and all the buzz in Chicago is about the White Sox, I could see the Cubs trying to come in and get a deal done with one of the two to kind of steal back the headlines and kind of make a a peace offering or a goodwill offering to fans like, hey, I know things are bad right now, but, you know, Rizzo's locked up for another five years. Baez is locked up for another seven or eight years or Chris Bryant even. I mean, any of them could, but I wouldn't be shocked to see them go to all of them with a a feel-good deal kind of thing like, hey, we'll do you a favor, like let's meet here and get something done to kind of get some good PR back. Because I think that's what the Arietta signing was, is a PR move to kind of help win back fans after underestimating how bad it was going to be to let two guys in Lester and Schwarber walk in the same year. It could be a PR move because, I mean, arguably you could say that Arietta might still have the better of whatever career left between him and Lester. We know Lester is close to retirement, not to say Arietta is not either, but I don't know. I mean, would you take Lester over Arietta if you could? I would take Lester just for the simple fact that I think sometimes if you're bringing these guys back and I mean, I guess it too depends on whatever their motives are, but if they do intend and they want to keep these guys long-term and lock up some of the core, I think the message you sometimes send within the locker room and yes, Arietta is one of their guys, but Arietta left and went to Philly and Lester's been here. I think sometimes it's better graces to just bring the guy back that you've already had in house as opposed to going out and bringing in a new person. Yeah. I I do think Lester is going to be a perfect fit in Washington. Again, a back of the rotation starter now, but he's a playoff beast. He's the kind of guy that, you know, can dial it up probably when you need to like, Obviously, you're going to have Scherzer, Corbin, Strasburg, and big playoff games. But man, imagine a guy like Lester in a playoff game. He would love that. I mean, that's he could definitely bring it for a game like that. If you're looking to win now, it's definitely then I'm definitely going Lester over Arietta. I'm just saying, all things considered, I take Lester. Yeah. I think though that he did end up in a in a great spot in Washington with him getting to slot down to like the four or five and. You know, he's back with uh, Davey Martinez, at manager. So, I mean, he knows some guys. Kyle Schwarber's there. So, 
I think it'll be a nice, easy transition for for Lester for sure, and I think yeah. you're going to see a bounce back year from him. Yeah, I think he could be a a great. Hopefully, I mean, I, I want to see him succeed. I want to see him obviously have the season that he didn't really have last year. He kind of got off to a good start, but yeah, you know, 2020 was weird. No fans, all that. Uh, <laughs> he'll have all the Cubs fans. Oh, well, that's that's to say, I don't know what the the fan situation will be in 2020-21, but. With whatever fans can get to games this season in DC, at least some Cubs fans, or I guess in Chicago when he comes back, if he makes a start in Chicago, uh, some of the fans will get to see him at least. But he didn't really get the proper send off. What else about the Cubs excites you for this upcoming season? What's your projection for where they end up in the standings? Looking at the looking at all things considered, I think I think St. Louis will still be good. They are always somehow they find a way. I think the Brewers could be better than people think, but I mean, nobody in that division, I feel, has really come out and made a move like the Brewers have made some moves here or there that you might look and see like, oh, you know, in June or July, people might look back and be like, I can't believe they did that. But I think when it comes down to it, I think that if things if things fall right and Rizzo bounces back and Baez and KB, like you said, 2020 was a weird year. These guys know that if they want to get paid, they need to have this is their year to kind of come out. And if they come out on fire, all those guys kind of get back. I I do think that you could see the Cubs bounce back and definitely compete for that division. I think I mean, even a guy that we haven't even talked about in Contreras behind the plate. I think he's going to be huge for them and what kind of season the pitching has, how he kind of handles that staff. But I mean, in the end, I think it, I think the offense is going to be whatever, you know, they're going to do their thing. You're going to have them. There's going to be times when they're going to be hot. There's going to be times where you're going to get frustrated, but it, it comes down to, I think is the pitching starting rotation and bullpen. I don't really know if there's an area where you really feel really good outside of, of Kyle Hendricks, another young guy who they have, you know, locked up and, you know, I think that they're banking on him finally being the ace that everybody believes that he is and can be. Right. I think he'll be an ace, but if you have an ace and then four deuces, I mean, that ace isn't really going to do much for you if you have a bunch of low cards after it. So it all depends on what the guys behind Kyle Hendricks do. Yeah, I am intrigued about Zach Davies. I mean, of course, when the Darvish trade went down, uh, I was already... I, I didn't think that the idea of trading Darvish was bad, depending on what the return could be. And of course, the return wasn't what we all thought it would be, especially coming from a team like San Diego, and they're stacked. But for what he is, I think Zach Davies can be a nice addition. Alec Mills obviously threw a no-hitter last year. He had some nice starts. Then, again, of course, it's Arietta, But then you've got Alzali, who is very interesting. Trevor Williams, Tyson Miller, Braylon Marquez. So you've got some projects. You've got some potential. Justin Steele, they said, might get some looks for the fifth start. I think that there's some guys that, you know, again, it, it, I think how the roster shapes out. And if you see like a Marquez or a Justin Steele take the fifth spot, I think that tells you that they're more in a look ahead. I would love to see Alzale. I think he deserves a spot. Right. But again, I don't. He's another guy that they've yo-yoed so much that it's like I don't. You know, I'd like to see them. I would like for them to put Alzale and Marquez in the rotation and figure it out from there. The U Darvish trade, the more at first I thought it was a whatever. The truth is, it is what it is. And what everybody knows is 
that was getting rid of that contract while they could still take somebody, somebody would take it because he's got, I think two or three years left and the Cubs didn't want to pay him as he got older. And you know what, what's unfortunate for Darvish is it kind of seemed like when he was lights out and elite and maybe, you know, a top two or three pitcher in baseball, the Cubs were so, so when the Cubs were actually had a chance to be good, it seemed like he was injured and just couldn't put it together. And, you know, it, it's a shame because I really did like Darvish, but that was what it was. It was a contract dump to get rid of it now. And I hope that the Cubs put some of these young guys in the, you know, in the rotation and, and see what you have, because you've made it clear that this season isn't truly about trying to win a world series. So why not see what you have in some of these young guys? Yeah. I'll consider it a success. Now I say this now I'm not. So this is definitely kind of their first low expectation type season since probably 14, honestly. I mean, maybe 15. I had some high expectations for the team or at least the kind of that White Sox vibe as what they had last season and even into this year. But for the first time in a while, I don't think the expectations are as high as they usually would be. So I'll consider it a win if they make the playoffs. But more so, I just want to see guys hitting again. I want to see... The rotation and Hendricks is fine, but like you said, Marquez, whether it's Alzale, you got Steele, Alzale, right? I want to see Alzale, Steele, Marquez. I want to see guys who are getting a shot, hopefully, have success. Uh, obviously, Arietta, he is what he is at this point. I mean, hopefully, he can win some games, provide innings, be a veteran that's gonna help the team win on the field. And then, of course, Davies. So he's in a contract year. Uh, and then, of course, the the big decisions with Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Contreras is coming up. I mean, what are they going to do? So I want to see the team show success, but I want to see success out of the guys that we need to see it, that we know are going to be part of the picture long-term, or at least could be part of that picture. To pivot off of what the Cubs can do, there was something else I wanted to ask you at the tail end. And I know it's your podcast, but I'm going to flip it to you. Are you prepared for life after the Simpsons? I mean, you got two more years, but I mean, the Simpsons has been around as long as you've been alive. So, I mean, are you prepared for that show to to be no more? Or do you think that, that it's just going to keep going? It's funny because on my last podcast, I had Seth Poho. He's a big Simpsons fan too, but uh, I was talking with him about it actually. And he was actually saying that he hasn't watched the new episodes and well, he hasn't seen any of the new episodes as of late of, of the last, I don't know how many years. And even the old ones, I don't think he watches as frequently. Now I watch the old ones and I love the old ones the most. I actually have not watched the newer seasons. So going back to college in 2010, uh, I, I think that's about the time where I was just like, okay, I'm going to catch up on these later. I'm just, I don't have time right now. And then I just kind of got out of it. And so I really, even when the new episodes are on now, I'm not even interested all the time to even leave it on the channel. I might just switch it. So it's kind of like, okay, if it's the old ones, I want to watch the classics, but the newer ones, eh, I'll watch them. But I really haven't been watching them, watching them like I, you know, would have thought or that most people would have probably presumed. So to answer your question, um, I think it's cool that they're still coming back, even though I don't think it's the same whatsoever. So it's, 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 you know, I was asking Seth the same thing. I said, do you think it's ever going to end or yeah, I saw that they re-upped it. Not really surprised, but yeah, it's uh, literally one year younger than I am. They, they came around in 89. So 
I don't know. I, I am prepared. I That's a good question. I don't know if I am prepared for life after the new Simpsons, even though I haven't been watching them like you probably would have thought. It amazes me that that show is still going. And like what you said is I saw a lot of people after it was announced under the comments that they haven't watched in forever and that the old ones are good. But now it's just kind of ruining. Do you think that they're do you think that they're just taking the, the paycheck now or do you actually think that it's still like a good product or do you think that they should end it more so to just I mean, what can you do at this point? I don't I think it is good for what it is. When I think of the older ones, I don't know what it is. Um there was like the subtlety of the humor for me was always a, a huge draw. Like with family guy, it's so outrageous. They literally do everything. They show like they'll, they'll, they'll reference something and then show that scene, which is kind of funny. But like with the Simpsons, it wasn't always about the outrage. And that's the funny thing is like as a kid growing up, I would hear other people say, Oh, we don't watch that. It's, bad for tv or bad for kids and it's like compared to everything now it's so tame but uh i don't know i mean i guess if the newer if they finally said we're done no more new ones but we're gonna keep showing the old ones that's awesome but yeah it's i think the new ones are good for what they are but it's just i don't know how to explain it the old ones just have a certain it might be the nostalgia just remembering when i was watching those growing up uh but it's just the entire the comedy, the storylines, it's just different, you know? Oh, yeah. I, like you, I'm i with you. I used to grow up watching it, and I haven't seen any of the, the new ones. But also, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about with TV is we are never going to see another TV legend like, like Jerry Stiller. And the fact that he passed and, you know, to be what he was for two iconic TV shows in Seinfeld and King of Queens – to play the role he did and the way he did it was just phenomenal. And I've been going back again and watching Seinfeld again because that's one of those shows I'll kind of watch and then kind of go off for a while and then come back so that you don't over get wore out. But yeah. I mean, Jerry Stiller was phenomenal, but Seinfeld, Seinfeld to me, there is nothing better than when I think iconic TV. I don't think anything other than Seinfeld. Yeah, Jerry. In fact, I saw they were gonna have like a King of Queens reunion soon. Yeah, yeah. Jerry made Jerry made King of Queens what it was for the most part. Um, I mean, without him, I guess Doug was great too. That's another show where the older episodes. I think a lot of shows are like this, where the older episodes are the best ones. For me, King of Queens definitely the older ones. But yeah, and then with Seinfeld, I haven't been watching Seinfeld as frequently as I used to. But you know, if it's on, I'm definitely probably gonna watch it. But it never gets old. It's still a favorite. The references, the and that's what's great about Seinfeld is that it's 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 uh, what's great about Seinfeld. The reason it still has a li- a lasting shelf life is the fact that I saw this somewhere, not I don't know a few years ago. Basically, the entire cast of Seinfeld or the, the entire plot of Seinfeld could be solved with a with a cell phone or a text message. Because think about it. Remember when they were all trying to go to that same movie? And they they kept missing each other. Yeah. And, you know, it's stuff like that where it's like or the Chinese restaurant where he's waiting for the call. And, you know, it's like that show. It lives on because it's so legendary. It was a show about nothing. And yet it was always involved these tricky plots and subplots it lives on because it's like you couldn't redo that kind of show again i mean i mean but then again curb 
Curb would be like the closest comp, I guess, because it was the creator of Seinfeld, obviously. And they've had, you know, Larry David in the, I guess, in the modern days, uh, you know, with, of course, the cell phone and all that stuff. Larry David fights everybody, picks apart every little thing, similar to Jerry. Of course, he is George, basically. So that's like the closest comp. But Seinfeld itself, you can't redo that. That's why it lives on. It's so great. It's always just going to hold its 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 comedic value. Right, yeah. It's going to hold that value, I think, because it's just unlike any show. I mean, again, the cell phone <laughs> solves everything. So back then it was just the comedy of like trying to meet up at the same place or they keep missing each other or, you know, even the last few episodes or maybe it was the last episode actually was the one where uh, Elaine is talking and I forget what the situation. Oh, someone's dad just died or something like that. And Jerry was like, you can't do the cell phone walk and talk. You got to sit down for that. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, the cell phone was just coming at the end of it. It's just a show that works, and I just started watching some again. I was laughing hysterically because I know that that you love that show. And then I saw the Simpsons got re-upped, and I was like, 35 years. That's just that's just crazy. Well, Ryan, it was great having you on the podcast. We'll have to do it again really soon. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Three, two, one, zero, zero, zero. And lift.